Hello there, and welcome to episode 23 of the Hawthorne Debate Club. My name is Jamie Clay, and I'm joined every week by two gentlemen to have a few conversations and discussions about West Bromwich Albion. So let me start by saying a warm hello to my good friend, Alex Collins. Hello. And hello to my little brother, Joe Clay. Hello. Well, I don't know about you guys, but supporting the Albion this season is turning me into a little bit of an emotional wreck. Because once again, in the space of just a few days, we've gone from total disaster film meltdown to complete soothing calm. See, over the last few weeks, the Hawthorne has been a place of deep concern and growing misery and tension, apart from Alex. But a confident and convincing display against the Robins has shone a ray of hope like Gandalf coming in from the east. So I guess the question once again is, is everything okay at the Albion? Have the cracks been filled in with more than paper? Have we finally discovered our plan B? But before we get to all of these juicy questions and all of the fine podcast goodness ahead of us, let me say a huge thank you for downloading and listening to the Hawthorne's Debate Club. We love you. You love us. It's a podcast marriage made in heaven. Tell people about the podcast. And while you're doing it, also share and like all of our stuff on Instagram and Twitter. It may seem simple. It may seem like a very small thing, but it really, really does help us to get our podcast out there to new ears, to new listeners. So if you love the podcast, spread the word about the podcast. So last week we announced we'll be doing a giveaway of epic proportions in conjunction with WBART Inspired. And let me say this, this is a must-enter giveaway if you love the Albion, or if you know anyone who loves the Albion, you're going to want to be involved in this. But in order to trigger the giveaway, we set a little bit of a bar for details to be released to you all. And we wanted to see 500 people following us on Instagram. We had a few more people following us last week. But in the meantime, get yourself over to www.rtinspired.co.uk and check out all the great stuff he has on the website there. Obviously, at the moment, we're running a promo with him to do with all of the WBA prints on his website. So you can go and get yourself a cheeky Chris Brunt or a bit of a Bomber Brown print. And when you get to the checkout, enter the discount code THDC and you will get buy one, get one free. And that is a brilliant, brilliant deal. So on this week's podcast, we will be talking about the game that's changed public opinion about the Albion once again, the game against Bristol City at the weekend, which has thrown up as many answers as it has questions. We'll also be going through all of our news stories before previewing our game this Saturday lunchtime against Fulham. So Albion had a three o'clock kickoff on a Saturday, which was a bit of a nice change. It finished 3-0 against Bristol City. Hugel opened up his account for the club. Bartley got on the end of another furlong catapult, a furlong throw, I believe the phrase was coined, very early in the season, before Grant continued his scoring streak in the second half. Let's just go through the stats of this game. Possession saw an uptick, 55%. We had 23 shots, which is much more like earlier in the season. Nine on target, seven shots against, with only two on target. So, guys, this game has kind of changed the mood around the club after kind of a series of bad results following the Cardiff game. There was a little bit of tension around the stadium, a lot of people questioning Val's methods, a lot of people wondering whether we had a plan B. This game saw quite a significant shift. Obviously, to win is important. And, and as we've said, results haven't been the issue, 
really this season. But the nature of the performance, especially in the first half, seems to have really, really encouraged people once again. What did you guys make of this game? I thought we were brilliant. First half, we were exceptional. And that could be down to the enforced changes, bringing in the likes of the veteran Snodgrass and Malumbi. They had a really good partnership. They worked well together. Plus, we just worked well as a team and we took our chances. I know we had 23 shots and uh, nine of them were on target, but three of those were goals. So it's a good ratio. We've been really scuppering our chances recently. It's nice to get back to that winning games in the first half. Didn't have to do much in the second half. And I think we did take our foot off the pedal in the second half. We still played well, but that first half was outstanding. Yeah, I think it's really good that we followed up our first two defeats of the season with victories, like one against local rivals, Birmingham, you know, which is a tough fixture. And then following up the Swansea defeat with a a 3-0 route of Bristol City. So, yeah, I, I thought it was really good. The fact that we created 23 shots, you know, that's really encouraging. Shows that we're a team on the front foot. To have nine on target as well, as Joe mentioned, would have expected more goals, really. I, I did think Hugo missed a few chances. thought he played well. Good player, but I would have liked to have seen him put a few more chances away than he did. Yeah, I think one of the things that's been a really obvious area of concern in these recent struggles that Albion had has been this lack of creativity, not just shots on goal, but Albion not necessarily getting into dangerous, threatening positions. And this game definitely saw that swing the other way. And I think creating chances is one thing. And I think a lot of people were commenting on Hugo's misses and some of them were pretty, pretty convincing misses. I mean, ultimately, he's definitely one of these non-goal scoring goal scorers. He's brilliant at holding the ball up. He's brilliant at bringing other people into play. But when you stick him in front of goal, I'm not confident that he's going to finish at all. But he definitely, definitely contributed in other ways. And I think he's a threat just in terms of the way opposition defenders have to account for him. I think it's very different to our other attacking options. He's a little bit more of a bully. He's a little bit more shoulders and elbows. And I think the other options that we have, as aggressive and as as talented as they all are, Hugo definitely does bring something different. But the one thing he doesn't bring is finishing prowess. I totally agree with you. I just hope now, Ish or Big Val, he's got his front three and he doesn't keep changing it. I'd like Robinson in there from the start, but that's not my choice. He obviously likes Grant on the left, Phillips on the right, and hopefully Hugo sticks there and we get the front three. They start getting chemistry together and playing well together. Well, that leads us on to the midfield. We had Snodgrass Malumbi in this one and they played, like I mentioned before, they played really well. Yeah, I agree, Joe. I thought... They complemented each other really well, where Malumbi's got the energy and pace. I thought Snodgrass had that technical ability. He hit the post, didn't he? Or was it the bar? He just looks like he's got that. Whenever you see him on the ball, he's got that composure. He calms things down. But then you've got Malumbi sort of filling the gaps that Snodgrass doesn't fill. I think they're really good together, good pairing. Um, I think Livermore and Moat, like two individual players, I don't think they complement each other. So I, I don't know whether... You know, you could break that partnership and whether Malumbi perhaps could complement Livermore or Moat better than they complement each other or whether Snodgrass could come in and complement Moat much better, I don't know. But um, it's an interesting debate, really. Yeah, I just I just wanted to say, uh, Jamie's uh, wish came true without, uh, with Livermore getting suspended and we went and won a game without him in the midfield. I genuinely think that taking Jake Livermore out of the team was a real problem for Valishmail, especially 
as his club captain and the comments he's made about how significant and important he is to the team in terms of the intangibles, his leadership, his dressing room influence and all of these things, it suddenly becomes very difficult to pull him out of the squad based purely on a kind of a shift in personnel. You've almost kind of made him impossible to drop. The suspension thing was always on the card. Ha 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 ha. Do you get the joke? No. <laughs> That's way more hilarious than you two reacted. Um, <laughs> I know it's... it sounds to me like a dad joke. <laughs> and obviously the suspension then takes him out of the team and it allows Val to kind of shift things around and bring in Malumbi and Snodgrass. For me, you get this kind of really obvious yin and yang thing with Malumbi and Snodgrass. You have the destroyer in Malumbi, the work rate, the engine, and then you have Snodgrass who oozes class and sophistication and creation. And you've got the creator-destroyer balance really obviously between those two players. When you look at Livermore and Moa, I don't see that distinction as obviously. You've got two players who are willing to put a foot in. You've got Moa who's capable of real moments of quality, but I think his main influences is to pester and harry opposition players to rush the press and all of these elements of Valble that are really significant and important. But I think the difference that Malumbi and Snodgrass brought against Bristol City was this ability to not just get involved in another head of tennis or not just leave gaps. There was this real definite plan that the ball could go through our midfield. Like that has been completely absent from the start of this season, playing the ball through central midfield. It either bypasses the central midfield completely via long ball or it's played out to the wings. So it was really refreshing for me to see. And I don't know whether that is our plan B. And I guess the question is now, and I guess this is what a lot of social media has been pointing down, does Val now have a selection dilemma? Because I don't know, based on that performance, if you want to be taking Malumbi and Snodgrass out of the team. We said two, three weeks ago that Moat was the Jenga piece. And yet without him in the side, it all of a sudden looks like Albion are that much more creative, that much more threatening. What do you guys think? Does Val really have a selection crisis on his hand? I think he does. I wish he didn't because I don't think he deals with it very well, as we've seen with the strike force. I think if Livermore, well, Livermore will be back next game. And if Mauer is injury free and fit, I think he'll put those two back in because I really think he goes back to his favourites. And I have no proof of that, but I just have this inkling that he will go back to that. And yeah conspiracy <laughs> but um no i just think uh, going back to uh, what you were saying about uh Malumbia snodgrass about that two in midfield that's how a two in midfield is supposed to work you're supposed to have two different type of players and livermore and mauer they just break down for the play and give away fouls and it doesn't work yeah because you don't play it through the middle but yeah i do think he's got a selection dilemma on his hands and i think he needs to i think he needs to stick with these two at fulham because they deserve it you know, I'm really getting Scalzi and Keane vibes from Malumbi and Snodgrass. I mean, obviously they're not as good, but, you know, you've got that one that's like hard tackling and then you've got one that's a bit classier on the ball. But I would love to see 
Mowat and Snodgrass play. I think they'd complement each other really well. Yeah, that's too. the that's the the pair I'm really interested in as well. Because I think Moat has got that kind of aggression and got that battle warrior feel about him. Whereas Snodgrass, he's a bit more of a menace, a bit more of a treading the ball through the eye of a needle, trying something a bit innovative. So I'd quite like to see that against Fulham, if I'm honest. But I, th- I think it's a, it's going to be a difficult decision for Ishmael to make. Plus, you've also got the factor of, do we play a pair that are more suited to play against a team like Fulham? Like, do we try and put two defensive defensive there's a new word for you a pair that are more defensive you know like a Moet and a Malumbi you know with a bit more grit because Fulham have obviously got a lot of energy in them, the centre of their midfield bit of a dilemma for, for Ishmael but I think you've got to have faith that he will you know make the right decision to be fair it's nice to have alternative options because the reality of it was that it was looking like we had Moet Livermore and that was it and it was kind of that works or we go bust but ultimately, it seems to have really worked out in our favour, as I hypothesised with my Livermore leaving the team. I sounded like Alex told me to get out of the tin hat, but I think it's really worked out well. Because ultimately now, I think he, his hand was forced, but it really does show that we have capable players of playing in multiple ways. And I think against Fulham, as exciting as it was to see Liam Snodgrass and Malumbi come in, I do think he'll revert back to form, which is disappointing. And, and I don't know how the other players feel about that after giving such an amazing accounting. But um, I, I don't think there's any coincidence that you see this uptick in creativity and Snodgrass being on the pitch. I do think, you know, sometimes at half time I watch him when he's warming up alongside the other subs and he's just different class. All of the other players, as talented and as good as they are, he is just unreal to watch his touch the way he kind of caresses the ball is that an appropriate thing to say no nevertheless he strokes the ball and his control is just elegant to watch on the ball I was really worried about him being in the central midfield of a Valley Schmau side but he completely convinced me on Saturday that he's more than capable of it one thing I'd like to say is I think Livermore he didn't get into Sam Allardyce's team did he now I think that was quite interesting because Allardyce knows good players so perhaps you know, like you say, Jamie, maybe you were right that we were just waiting for that opportunity to kind of swap him with a new player. You pulled a rabbit out of the hat. If Mowat's still injured, I think he'll go with Snodgrass and Livermore. Old man midfield. I do. I think he'll drop Malumbe. The issue I would have with that would be the energy levels of that midfield. I just, again, I think that there's that complementary role as in you've got the energetic one and the battler one. And I guess Malumbi and Snodgrass have that too, kind of that seesaw balanced well. And I think Livermore and Mowat for all of their deficiencies, well, for all of Livermore's deficiencies, in my opinion, he does still kind of swing somewhere on that pendulum. I personally think Livermore was on his way out of the first team with the Albion in our promotion campaign under Slav Bilic. For all of the plaudits he garnered for that season, I really don't think the plan going forward was Jake Livermore. I think he just happened to sit well in the midfield with Romain Sawyers, plus then Pereira and all of these other like brilliant players ahead of him. A lot of people love Jake Livermore, and I'm definitely one of them for all of these years of service to the club. But I think we've seen the best of Jake Livermore probably three or four years ago by now. To come back to what Alex was saying initially, I think Sam Allardyce kind of paved the way for Jake Livermore to be moved out of the squad. I was watching the Arsenal 
the Arsenal game in the Carling Cup last night and watching Ainsley Maitland-Niles, Alex's favourite player. Alex, describe him as a type of car again for me. He's the Rolls-Royce of a footballer. He is a he played last night. I watched him on the sky last night. Honestly, and, he was you know, so good. My desire for Maitland-Niles is still strong. Listen to this. We had Ainsley Maitland-Niles, Conor Gallagher and OK Yukushlu. That was our central midfield six months ago, which absolutely baffles me. But basically, all I was trying to say there wasn't for Alex to re-enter his love affair. It was just to say, Sam Allardyce had, Sam Allardyce, Sam Allardyce had <laughs> given us a way out of the Jake Livermore saga at the Albion. And now we seem to have been thrust back into it. And I just think for all of the love that we have for Jake Livermore, he's just not the same player he was anymore. And I think the yellow cards, as indicative they can be of the style of play, He's meant to play the destroyer, destructive, putting in a foot and all of these things. More often than not, I think he gets yellow cards overcompensating for errors he's made. And I think it's something you said in the past, Joe, that other midfielders that are paired with Jake Livermore end up having to kind of fill in the gaps that he leaves. And I think that's what the having Malumbi and Snodgrass, those gaps wouldn't have been present in the same way. And I think if you pair anyone with Livermore, you're going to have a real difficulty with the chemistry there. A couple of other things from this game. Obviously, Grant continued his goal-scoring form. He's absolutely flying now. He's going to be smashing some of our pre-season predictions about goal-scoring. I think a couple of us hinted that Carl and Grant could be our top goal-scorer. Anyone care to guess who it was? It wasn't Alex. It wasn't Dean Alex. Dean is my man. Dean Garner would be sat comfortably on 127 goals come the end of the season if Alex's predictions were right. But my prediction of Carl and Grant, I believe it was, when I entered the prophetic realm and drew down that message from the future, Carl and Grant is well on form. That's now how many goals this season? Let's head on over to Alex's research and Wikipedia corner. Cue the music. He has scored a grand total of seven goals in 14 matches. So if he keeps this up, he will have scored 23 goals by the end of the season. And for listeners there, you didn't get to see the machinations and calculations present on Alex's face as he worked out the maths there. So thank you for that, Alex. You're more than welcome. And another thing, quickly before we kind of wrap up on this game, does Matt Clark make furlong throws work? It does, is, that, is it as simple as that? Is the formula set that Darnell Furlong's throw-ins only work when Matt Clark is on the pitch? I believe so. Right, say that again, but don't be right on top of your mic because it was so loud in my ears. <laughs> I believe so. <laughs> I believe so. Cool. Please keep that in. <laughs> You know, like in the the Batman movies where Christian Bale changes his voice to like pretend that he's not Bruce Wayne anymore. I'm Batman. He sounded like that. <laughs> Talking of superheroes, Kyle Bartley got himself. That's such a slick transition there. Kyle Bartley got himself into the team of the week again. Another staggering performance. I think the defence, actually, as well as we looked going forward on Saturday, and we really did look good, um, the defence 
was solid. Again, another great show. Matt Clark. The thing that I like about Matt Clark, for such a, like, a hulking big guy defender, when you look at Matt Clark, I know you guys have theories about his status as a, like, a battle-hardened warrior from like a mercenary from loads of different wars and combat, but it's not so much the kind of brute force defending. It's when the ball's on the deck and he'll have be pressurized by an opposition attacker and he'll faint and he'll dummy and he'll twist and he'll turn and he'll find a pocket of space just to either get the ball back to Johnson or just to release it back to Connor Townsend. And that for me is just, he's so good at that. You know, you know who he reminds me of? And it might be, yeah. people might. S- Sylvester Stallone in The Expendables. <laughs> oh, <laughs> exactly. Mailed it. Ting! Exactly. <laughs> no, he reminds me of Harry Maguire. How he does that and he takes charge of the ball. He never has any anxiousness on the ball. He'll he'll just take charge of it and pass it back to Johnson if it's needed. Or like you said, pass it out to the wing and Sylvester. Sylvester? Sylvester. And And Sylvester Stallone. His lesser known cousin, Sylvester. And finally, before we wrap up this game here, do we need to be worried that the kind of performance seemed to be dropping in the second half? That's nothing to worry about, is it? We can just set that to one side. That was job well done. No need to worry. Wrapped up with a bow early in the first half and the guys were just seeing it out. We don't need to panic about that, do we? Yes, if we're losing. Any more optimism from you, Alex? Joe seems to be stealing all the optimism from the show. No, I don't think we need to worry about anything so long as Valerian Ishmael is in charge. So if I held a big red button up in front of you, Alex, that said panic still, would you press it? I would paint it green and then I would press it. (laughs) I see a button and I want to paint it green. That's for all our young listeners. But this game saw us finish third in the table. Bournemouth now have created a real cushion at the top of the table. And that's panicking me slightly that we're going to be in a little bit of a battle for second place. I know there's still a lot of games to go, uh, but I've got to be honest, that has unsettled me a little bit. Are you guys worried that we're going to get drawn back into the playoffs or has that been put to rest or where are you guys at with that? I'm not worried about Bournemouth finishing top because I don't think they will. I think we'll be around, it's going to be fourth to first, isn't it? It's going to be playoffs or, you know, top of the playoffs or first or second, but I just don't think Bournemouth will be finishing first or second, so. Why not? How come? Out of interest. Scott Parker, I just don't think he's as good as people think he is. He's got a good team there. He always lands on his feet. I just don't think he'll last. Scott Parker's like a cat, always lands on his feet. Is that his spirit animal? Oh my goodness, we haven't visited Joe's totem corner his spirit animal familiar. Who is Robert Snodgrass's animal familiar, Joe? Bear with me. It's not a bear. So, it's between two. It was either the Highland cattle or the Kingfisher bird. (laughs) Please explain. The Kingfisher bird I've gone with because apparently it was the first bird to fly onto Noah's Ark and it was considered symbol of peace and I think Snodgrass coming to the team against Bristol has brought peace among the fans as we won 3-0 How very 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 symbolic the truth of this Joe that I just have to you've just pulled that out of the air because that is quite unbelievable that you've just that wealth of information was already inside of you well that's why I went for the Kingfisher because I'm an avid Kingfisher bird fan so (laughs) Uh, what, what is it an ornithologist is that the correct term? I just 
No, I just like kingfishers. Right, so let's move on to some quick fire news now. For those of you listening to the podcast, this week is a little bit different. I'm actually currently recording the podcast in my car. I'm currently on holiday in Cornwall. We have our first live audience listening to the podcast. Uh, my dad has joined me in the car to record the podcast. Did I say Ricard? <laughs> Ricard, the podcast. I've been joined by Dara O'Shea and my dad to record the podcast. Dad, you got any words for the listeners? Hello, everybody. I don't know if that came across, but he said hello, everybody. So just to update you guys, the West Brom women's team played against Derby County. They drew nil-nil. Again, another point picked up after on the back of another draw. Hopefully, we're going to start to see these draws turned into victories. A really good follow, actually, on social media. And I'm sure if you go on social media and you find their profiles, see various different clips from the game as well. And you can really see that there's some strong performances being put in by the women's team. And I'm hopeful and I'm sure that they will convert those draws into some victories in the coming weeks. Some interesting news has emerged as well about old Albion manager for a short time, well, assistant manager at the least, Graham Jones. Joe, what's his spirit animal, just out of curiosity? You have hinted at what you might feel about him in the notes, but let's just delve in to the totem, to the familiar once more. Snake. Not the Metal Gear Solid guy. Not Solid Snake. (laughs) Or Liquid Snake. It's interesting that you've gone for two brands of Indian lagers with a Kingfisher (laughs) and a Cobra. No. Looking to get sponsored, clearly. If you're listening, people who work with Kingfisher and Cobra, this is the kind of high level advertising that the Pawthorns Debate Club can bring to the party. But Graham Jones, slivering parcel tongue, he's currently in charge of Newcastle United, having, in your opinion, Joe, overseen the underminding and overthrowing of Steve Bruce. But what else has caught your attention? I just think. Um... From the past, when he joined Luton behind Darren Moore's back, well, it probably wasn't behind Darren Moore's back, why he was assistant manager at the Albion. I just think it's just a bit of a, a snaky move, like what he did at the Albion. And now he's just... There was a few news stories a couple of months ago, in the last few months, sorry, about him having an argument with Gail and like squaring up to Gail. And no one messes with our Dwight Gale. And from there, I still started to hate him. I know he's in the England fold with Southgate, and I think he's going to try and come for Southgate's job next. And he's not a good manager. You can have that one if you ask me, but... He's not a very good manager. He showed that at Luton. He got sat there, so he's a snake. This could be a new segment in the podcast titled something like Joe gets unnecessarily personal about someone he doesn't know. (laughs) Yeah, I'm happy with that. He's better than Southgate. That's undoubtedly, but I'm like you. I don't Graham Jones was secretly and sneakily and kind of stealthily our manager that season under Darren Moore, in my opinion. I think Darren Moore, for all of his picking the bones out of performances, was very much led and steered by Graham Jones. But ultimately, I do think that the way he wanted to play and the way he operated, it didn't suit or sit well with many Albion fans. So I can understand, Joe, why you feel so personally hurt by the man. Al, any thoughts on... Slivering. Just in a way, I just want to give some advice to Southgate that he should read up on Julius Caesar. Etu Brute. 
so it snuck up on us a little bit. This is a little bit of our Halloween spooktacular special. Is that fair to say? Yes, that is fair to say. Joe doing his demon overwhelming (laughs) voice again. Um, Thanks for that, Joe. That's kind of on brand with Halloween. Um, Al, do you have a ghoulish sound you'd like to lend to the party? Oh, that's haunting. But yeah, we were thinking of a few couple of fun ideas as you're out trick-or-treating, listening to the podcast, as you attend Halloween-themed parties where the podcast is no doubt being played by a live DJ. What kind of other fun things could we throw into the mix for Halloween? <laughs> and so we've been throwing together some potential costume suggestions for various different Albion players. Alex very quickly <laughs> amending our notes here on the fly. Graham Jones, what would his costume be? I'll just I whoever... can't take credit for that. I can't take credit for it. Oh, it was Joe. Joe's been editing on the fly. Joe, what what, what are you giving to Graham Jones here? Draco Malfoy. <laughs> I thought like Voldemort for full parcel tongue exposure. He's always in the press for no reason. Why was he in the England squad? No one knows. I didn't realise this this segment was going to quickly, this spooky Halloween special segment was just going to be another route for Joe to personally insult Graham Jones. <laughs> now, Alex, this Halloween spectacular, this costume fitting for all of our players is your brainchild. You are the mastermind here. Can I say a player to you and then you can... Tell me what fearful creature they would be on Halloween. Absolutely. And this, I'm hoping that this would be my dream Halloween party. Oh, that's cute, mate, that is. I'm going to start off in goal with Sam Johnston. I've done a bit of research. This isn't off the cuff. So I've, I've gone with a cat. He's obviously very good at not doing cat things. <laughs> like purring and stuff. <laughs> Yeah. Have you not heard him purring in when he's in goal? Mate, yeah, absolutely. The guy purrs. He's rubbing, scratching the post. <laughs> he loves that kind of stuff. You ever put a laser pointer in front of Sam Johnson? He kind of tries to jump on it and dash after it. It's amazing, really. I put in uh, Johnson as the cat because you always call people as keepers cats, don't you? Very good. Right, let's throw out another one. <laughs> Kyle Bartley. We've already spoken a little bit about him today. Um, Al, in this fantasy party, what is Kyle Bartley coming dressed as? Frankenstein. I like that Because I think he's got the height. That's purely everything that I can think of, really. I can just, I can imagine him looking a bit Frankenstein-y with his suit and, you know, painted green with a, a couple of bolts in his neck. I can, I can picture it. But we discussed it. I think his beard's too perfect to be Frankenstein. His beard is very perfect, but I do I see what Alex has gone with here. And I mean, even if the connection here is as flimsy as just purely the height, I think the audience just really want to see into your mind, Alex, here and, and see what you're conjuring up for this party. Let's carry on with a couple more. Let's say player that's been touted a few times for potential player of the season vibes, Connor Townsend. What's Connor Townsend coming to your party as Al? So I've gone for Werewolf, because I can see him like running around London, um, howling at the moon. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's obvious, really, when you think about it. I reckon he's got a proper howl on him. Joe? Yeah. Show what your howl's like. 
That's like a, a four out of ten howl. I don't want to do it too loud into this mic. Probably explode. <laughs> explode with power. Right. What about Adam Reach, kind of Townsend's rival for left back position? Anything kind of spooky there? So with this one, I was quite certain straight away. I think Dracula. I can just imagine him with fangs and like jumping from like one side of the room to the other, no speed at all. Um, I just think he's got that vampire look about him. I can picture him in Transylvania, Biting you people. know, sleeping in a coffin. I mean, Alex, I do think that this is an insight for the audience into your inner workings amongst a lot of things as well. I, I, I tend to agree with this, though. I think he does. He's, he's got like a Buffy the Vampire type of... Uh, Angel. Yeah, like a vampire. David Boreanaz. Exactly like him. I'm just looking at uh, Alex has given us a little bit of a an insight into his dream party guest list here. Uh, there's one that I'm particularly enjoying the thought of, and that is Kenneth Zahore. Al, you've got an idea about how you'd see Ken come to the party. He's down as a ghost because <laughs> at the moment we just don't see much of him. You know, he kind of haunts us in a way, doesn't he? That price tag, you know, should have been better. Yeah, there's a, we've got a, a couple for this zombie because... That last game he had, I know he got booed and everything like that, which wasn't right. Just didn't move, did he? He moved like a zombie. He was so slow to turn around. There, so, yeah. A duel, a zombie ghost. Yeah, okay. I get that. I get that. And Darnell Furlong will be dressing up as a trebuchet, a catapult, a human catapult. Any other ones you want to throw out to us, Al, before we... Well, the obvious one is uh, Malumbia's a wraith, isn't it? That's one that keeps coming up. What was it? Did the Banshee, Joe, give him the nickname? Oh, we missed out Snodgrass. Snodgrass is a wizard. <laughs> so I reckon he's got big sleeves. <laughs> he'd dress up as a kingfisher. No, he'd turn himself into a kingfisher and then he'd fly from party <laughs> to party, doing the odd trick. <laughs> right, well, that wraps up Alex's dream Halloween pie. Hopefully that has kind of set you on nerve for an evening of ghoulish spectacular fun. I think that qualifies as spooktacular. I think that we've lived up to the bill in there of a Halloween special. Um, easily, comfortably walked into that kind of territory. Let's move on to uh, the biggest game of the season so far against Fulham. It's at Craven Cottage. Alex, nickname update, please. Fulham are called the Cottagers because they all live in cottages, don't they? It's obvious. <laughs> That one was really obvious. We don't need to explain that to the audience. We don't need to treat them like idiots. They're currently one place above us in second. They've played 14, won nine, drawn two and lost three with a plus 19 goal difference. And the interesting things I think about Fulham is that they were kind of paired with us as being the more dominant sides at the start of the season. And I think people had penciled us and Fulham in for first and second in whatever kind of combination uh, people felt like on the day. Whereas we seem to have drawn a few games, Fulham seemed to have been a little bit more hot and cold than even us. Obviously, they've been very, very hot, but then there's been games where they've been really found wanting. But going into this game, what are we? should we be looking out for? So uh, there's a few good players. They've got a player called Carl Valho. I think I've pronounced his name right, but apparently he's been... It, mate. That's good. Uh, I think he's been monitored by Liverpool. According, like I was doing a bit of research does look like a great player and then they've got Mitrovic you know I think Mitrovic is a great strike I've always mm -hmm. rated him yeah definitely um, he's too good for the championship you know I'd have him you know for a Tottenham or Everton like I really think he's that good they've got Harry Wilson who obviously 
you know, an absolute steal uh, from Liverpool in the, the last window. And then you've got Kearney. And I'm, I'm just shocked that he's still a Fulham player because for the last like five years plus, he's been linked with a move. So I just can't believe he's still there, to be honest. But he's, he's, he's always struck me as quite a, a player similar to like Kumas and Dorans in a way that he's really good in the championship, but he's just struggling to break the prem. Mm. Um, and a couple more players, Bobby Reed. I think the Albion were after him at one point. He seems to be, you know, half decent. And then you've got uh, Reed in the middle from Southampton, a bundle of energy. Again, I think Fulham were quite lucky to get, get hold of him. So they've got a really, really strong team. I don't think this game will make or break the season. I think it'll be a very tough, difficult game. But it'd be interesting to see who wins. If we, if we lose it, I'm not going to throw my toys out of the pram and think that the seasons are over because I think it'll be far from that. Albion are going to win 3-0. Can we have a goal score, Alex? Dean Garner. Garner, of course. Joe? Yeah, I think... Like Alex said, Mitrovic, brilliant striker. He scored 15 goals this season, and we're going mad over uh, Grant. So Mitrovic, he's got to be their star player, hasn't he? Um, hopefully, our defence manage him. I think we can, we can, because he's a bossy striker, isn't he? He's, he's a bit of a fox in the box, and then he's a bossy striker and plays it off. He's like hundreds of times better than Hugel type of player. But I think this is going to be a draw. We don't normally do well at Fulham. I've been down there a couple of times away and I've never seen uh, us win. I saw Odin Wingy get sent off before half time. But I think it's going to be a draw and I think it might be a goal scoring draw. I think it'd be 2 2, similar to the Bournemouth match at the mm-hmm. start of the season. I think they'll probably go ahead, but I think we'll drag it back. And yeah, 2 2. And I'd say Grant and Clark. Interesting question that you've raised in my mind there, Joe. Would you have rather have one Alexander Mitrovic or 100 Jordan Hugels? <laughs> 100 Jordan Hugels. Yeah. Isn't it a giant? Wouldn't it be a giant Mitrovic or 100 Hugels? Who would win in a fight? One giant Alexander Mitrovic or 100 child-size Jordan Hugels? Mitrovic, definitely. I don't know, man, about that. Have I can't, you seen the I man? Can't, I... Have you seen the man? Yeah, I know, but 100 Jordan Hugels. Imagine how many chances they'd miss. <laughs> <laughs> nah, Mitrovic. Very good. All right. Well, I think this game's interesting. I think the biggest question I'm waiting to have answered is at 2 o'clock, well, not 2 o'clock because many answers will be by then, but about half 11 when the team sheet comes out to see what the midfield looks like. Obviously, there's a load of combinations that it could be, but I think that is absolutely key to this game. I think the style of play that we've seen Fulham try to do, they are attacking. They are Scott Park. No, sorry. Who's their manager? Doesn't matter. They're going to want to... Fulham are going to want to get the ball down on Saturday. They're really going to... Yeah. Silver. Silver. Everyone's whispering. Silver. Silver. I think they're going to try and get the ball down. They're going to try and play the ball. They're going to try and assert their will on the game. They're really going to try and move the ball fast. They're direct, but there's definitely a possession element to their game. They are going to try and play out of the, from the back. They've been caught by other teams doing that this season, um, which I think plays into the way we want to play. But I also do think that they've got the quality to play around our press or to play through the press. I'd be very, very interested to see whether we do go with Snodgrass and Malumbi and I think that's the selection will tell you a lot about the way Valishman is feeling about this game would a point be a good result I think so 
against Fulham. I'm going to say that we get a one-all draw, and I'm going to say Dean Garner hat-trick as well. With two goals disallowed. With two goals disallowed, that's correct, Alex, yeah. Very good. Well, that kind of wraps up another episode of the Hawthorns Debate Club. For those of you wondering why Joe's voice was ominously, boomingly demonic at times, he's got a new mic. Joe, are you happy with it? Check, check one, two, three. Check one, two, three. He's well chuffed. And me and Alex get new mics, mate. Have we earned a new mic, would you say, Al? I don't think you have just yet, Jamie. Look. I don't think you're at the same level as Joe. That's right. I appreciate your honest evaluation and feedback there, Alex. So I do appreciate that. And I'll try harder in future. I don't feel like I can fairly comment on your performance now. I feel like my I, I've been I'd be biased now in my my response. So um, I'll allow Joe to kind of feedback on your performance. You're doing brilliant, mate. Yes. Oh, this is lovely. This is lovely. Right? Have we said it all? I think we have. We only think yeah. we have today, but Alex is more certain. So, from a car on a drive in Cornwall, let me say thank you to Alex. Cheers. Thank you to Joe. Thank you. And thank you for joining us for this mildly spooktacular episode of the Hawthorns Debate Club. Remember, spread the word, tell everyone you know, and we will see you next week. <laughs> Goodbye. Thank you.